Escape Pod 236 February 1st, 2010 Today's story, Still on the Road, by Jeffrey A. Landis. Hello and welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely. So, a note about this week's story, in case you're looking at the duration on your MP3 player and wondering if you only downloaded half of it. No, this week's story is really short. What happened is that Steve's schedule kind of melted down in January, and we've had a few episodes come out later than I've wanted. What we had on the slate was a two-part episode. Jeremiah, our erstwhile editor, had picked two stories, a flash and a full-length piece on a common theme. Both are pretty light and fun. All things considered, I figured you'd rather have a shorter piece a little bit late than no episode at all for two weeks. So we're running the flash piece today, and we'll have the longer story, by Pat Cadigan, at the end of the week. I almost called this Escape Pod 235.5, but I thought Matt Arnold might kill me when he has to number these things for the pod disc collections. So, enough framing. We present Still on the Road by Jeffrey A. Landis. Mr. Landis lives in Ohio and is almost unfairly talented. Besides being a Hugo and Nebula winning short story writer and having one novel, Mars Crossing, in print from Tor, he's also a scientist at NASA and has worked on several planetary exploration missions, including the Mars rovers Spirit and Opportunity. Yes, the Spirit from last week's XKCD comic. Now you know who made Spirit sad. One minute bit of trivia. I've met Jeffrey Landis exactly once, by chance, at an airport. Incidental to this story, we were waiting in line for car rentals. Maybe that's what life is. A wink of the eye and story time. Still on the Road by Jeffrey A. Landis Turns out, you know, that old Dharma bum never made it off the Wheel of Karma. He had too many attachments, to the road, to words. And if you love the things of the world of Mara too much, you fall back into the world, like gravity pulling back a rocket that doesn't reach escape velocity. Two, three thousand years later, he's still on the road. Really, nothing's changed. And Neil, that old prankster, Neil never really did want to transcend. He loved to see it all streaming past the window, a constant moving circus disappearing in the rearview mirror, Loved to talk. Loved it all. So there's this guy needs to get to Arcturus. Or really the second planet of that little star kind of behind Arcturus, if you look. Arcturus itself is a red giant. No planets. Place he wants to go is around a star. Has a number but no name. There's a lot of them like that. Anyway, there's this guy. And he's got cash but no ride. And the buses don't stop out that way. And Neil says he'll drive if the guy can pay for fuel, and maybe a meal or two on the road, and cigarettes. He says he knows a girl out somewhere past Arcturus, but he really just wants an excuse to roll. And he and Jack and this other guy get in the vehicle. They're not really cars anymore, got a little more capability. And even this little broken-down junker that Neil boosted somewhere can push on past C. Get you from the Big Apple to L.A. in about a microsecond. They get in this rattle-trap vehicle and head on out. And it's a long haul. And for the first two days, Neil and Jack just trade off driving. This guy doesn't drive. He mostly sleeps in the back or stares out the window. And they're just grooving on the emptiness. The pure pinpoints of stars and the subtle colors of nebulae, barely visible except from the corner of your eyes. And Neil is talking up a storm. But then, in two days, they're barely halfway there. And they've really even stopped talking, just doggedly pushing sea. 
Neil bleakly twirling the radio, trying to scratch up something other than country and western chanting and some kind of Mufried binary code. And they have to stop for fuel somewhere. And there's this planet out that way that everybody says is worth seeing. So they stop and pay for a fill-up, and then drive like fury out into the outskirts, until they're past all the houses, or what passes for houses, here in the armpit of Boote's. The air's got oxy here, yeah, but it's also got 2% ammonia. Nobody's going to roll down a window and get a lungful of fresh air. This landscape's just for watching. Long vistas of shimmery blue, like waterfalls coming down from the sky. But then Neil, that crazy fucker, he does roll a window down a crack, saying, Hell, gentlemen, hell if it is poison, we're here. He was always full of mad schemes, tremendously excited about everything he saw, every detail of every moment. By God, I've got to see what will happen, he said, and we all were choking and shouting, Jesus, Cassidy, you're going to kill us all. But Neil, this only inflames him, and now he rolls the window all the way down, and you can't really imagine the stink of it unless you'd been there, the way you feel it more than smell it, the way it burns, burns, burns your eyes, nose, mouth, armpits, and Neil's laughing like a hyena, and he says, This is living, boys. Take a deep breath and choke on it. You can't say this isn't living. And after a good long while, all of us choking, he rolled the window back up, and Jack grabbed the wheel from him and pushed him away and boosted right out of there. And tears are running down everybody's face, even though Neil's cranked the airflow all the way up. And all the time, Neil's laughing and choking and saying, That's living, boys. You can't say this isn't living. And Jack is saying, You asshole. You asshole. And that guy in the back, he's really wondering what the hell he got into, just who these jokers are. Yeah, that was me, the guy in the back seat, and I was never so happy as when they dropped me off, and I watched them disappear into the ether, Neil with one arm out the window and talking a blue streak, Jack just cranking a seat back and taking it all in, even if they did end up hitting me up for all the scratch they could talk me out of before they lit the big candle and boosted out for who the hell knows. And they're still out there, I'll bet, still bouncing around world to world to world, never staying anywhere three nights in a row still boosting around somewhere. And I have to say, yeah, I guess that really was living. At least, that's what I tell people. But if I'm ever stuck for a ride, and Neil and Jack drive past and open the door saying, jump on in, next time I hope, I really hope, that I'll pass. And that was our story. I hope you enjoyed it. I know at least some of you got it. And if you're too young to remember who Jack Kerouac and Neil Cassidy are, or why they mattered and the world Kerouac changed, well, so am I. But I'll take a good story when it comes by to pick me up. So, my wife Anna was laid off last week from her job. She was nearly eight months pregnant. Our daughter's due in March. This isn't a woe-is-us outro. Though if anyone has good leads for a mid-year opening for a master's degree chemist with 12 years of lab and plant experience, we'd love to hear about it, steve at escapeartist.net. Anyway, my point here isn't that life is unfair or that we're bound for disaster. It certainly wasn't good. The timing sucks. And Anna did have her share of totally rational negative emotions. But it hasn't led to depression. Not real depression. The kind where you can't see enough light to climb your way out of it. This totally amazes me about her. Not that I wasn't amazed by her already. We have concerns, 
But this confidence that things will work out all right, that the problems are short-lived and solvable, that's fairly new. The story opens with a reference to Kerouac's belief in Buddhism. I'm not wise enough to go deep on that, but I've been doing meditation at the Shambhala Center near me for a little over a year now. It's been good. The religion isn't really the point for me. I don't think you have to accept the cosmology of Buddhism to acknowledge some of the viewpoints, or to appreciate the value of just sitting and not beating yourself to death with your own hang-ups every so often. By your own, I mean my own, of course. The real value, my personal challenge, is just being in the moment. Not living my whole life in the past or the future, but really living where I am right now, and being fully aware and okay with what I'm doing right now. This story has that, and as Grace in Losing Her Job has that. Strength comes from fully living, and I'm glad I get to learn from such great teachers. Escape Pod is glad to be a production of Escape Artists Incorporated, and to be distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. You can share its karma all you like, but do not interfere with its dharma or seek to gain from it. All other rights are reserved by our authors. If you like this week's story, please tell a friend or blog about us. And if you can, please consider leaving a donation via the PayPal link on our site, escapepod.org. Also check out our sister podcasts, Podcastle and Pseudopod, for fantasy and horror. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju. You can hear more from them at daikaiju.org. Oh, hey, one last thing, speaking of on the road. I'm going to be in Cambridge, England, the second week of February for my day job. If you're in the area, drop me a line at steve at escapeartist.net. It'd be good to get a few friends together for a pint. That was our show for this week. Our closing quotation comes from... Oh, come on. This is a story about Jack Kerouac. He said... The only people for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time, the ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but burn, 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 like fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding like spiders across the stars, and in the middle you see the blue center light pop, and everybody goes, aww. We'll see you in a few days. Until then, have fun.